Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City-based jazz singer Joanna Berkebile. We caught up with her about her latest 2020 CD, Love Me or Leave Me. It was self-released and it came out on November 2nd, 2020. She is always sought out for her compelling vocals and personable stage presence in jazz clubs. Since arriving on the scene, she has been sought after as a fresh and genuine artist. Plenty of sassy and always classy, her musical conversations draw one in with natural charm to either make one laugh or cry or somewhere in between. She has a very deep story. Enjoy. First and foremost, you know, you've been on my radar for a long time. Uh, Mark reached out. I'm so glad he did. It's always so refreshing to see that somebody from Kansas City is really hitting the national links out there. So it's great to catch up with you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I thank you for following, and uh, yeah, it feels good to represent. I'm a transplant yes. to Kansas City as of a decade ago, but when people ask me where I'm from, I say Kansas City. There you go. Well, and we'll city get I represent. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, we'll get into that, but I got to say up front, you know, the visual presentation of this CD, um, whoever designed this, it's really, really good. I love the coffee stain. It's just... That's I... Yeah, the, the, that was that was not me. I I take, yeah, I gotta give Karen Terhorst. Um, she is the sister of my uh, um, pianist, so she is a very talented designer, and I hired her to do that. And cool, tops, yeah, really good. A lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah. The picture is really good. Everything visually is 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 top notch. So. Um, the one thing I guess that the backdrop to this album is that this is a very unique, surreal time on planet Earth right now. So many things are going on. And first and foremost, it's coming out during a pandemic. What were your thoughts on the timing of this release? Well, I think my general thoughts were, thank goodness we could do this. <laughs> um, we, it yeah. was actually kind of like we, we had to delay the process for various reasons uh at least three times and so we really had intended to record this the end of last year or, or actually closer to the beginning of 2020 before we knew about the rona and all the other things that were going to happen <laughs> actually the timing was great because we were all like in the doldrums you know of like well, there's no gigs to be had we recorded this i, I believe in june um, so it was just kind of dead. It, it kind of was the savior of all of us working on the project because it was a COVID-friendly thing to do um, in a time where, you know, live performance is kind of my lifeblood and most of our, like, that's our thing. Um, and live performance just, just wasn't really awake at that time. <laughs> it's still waking yeah. up a little bit, but uh, it's cautious. I, I get it, but. Every, everything is just still up in the air, you know. I, I know that I've been doing interviews since March, and there was this notion that things were going to start coming back in the fall mm -hmm. and the winter and that mm -hmm. things were going to rebound. And I think that's been the hopeful optimism because we've never lived through this. And when you go through trauma, you want it to end. So what are you going to do, you know? what when, when someone picks this album up, whether they get it physically or they download it, what do you want them to feel from this experience? Ooh, that's a good question. What do I want them to feel? Well, I want them, first of all, like the general impression that I wanted to give in this recording, that we wanted as, as a group, was for it to just be real and authentic. Like right off the bat, you put it in and you want to feel like you're going to an authentic 
Kansas City Jazz Club, you're out on the scene, but you're just in your living room. And so that that was my intent from the beginning, even before we knew what 2020 was going to look like, because that's something that I value above pretty much everything else, authenticity. You know, I don't like to, even if I take a selfie of myself, okay, I'll take a selfie. I'm not putting a filter on it. That's ridiculous. I don't want someone to see me in real life, you know, and then say, oh, my God, what is this? <laughs> so, um, I, and, and also, like, it, it really, I felt like people deserve that. People deserve something that's not that's perfect and polished and, like, ooh, ah, impressive. I don't want to impress. I want to entertain in an authentic way to, to make people feel happy, comfortable, you know, I, impressing people is overrated. <laughs> so yeah, I did. we didn't yeah. need it. We didn't need any ego in this either. I appreciated that. Everybody just brought their a game, and we all respect each other so much that the the process was smoothed by that and made made excellent. So, so I, maybe that's a long answer to your question, but I want no. people to feel like they're in a authentic like, hey. If, you know, the world was, we're back in 2019 years ago, and uh, <laughs> you just yeah. decided to pop into a local jazz club, and this is what you're going to hear. You just can't do that, so you're going to pop into your home stereo. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. So let's talk about your beginnings, where you were born and raised, and kind of how jazz became your life. Oh, well, well, well. So I was born in the great, great state of Delaware and uh, lived there until I was 21. Um, was homeschooled, so that's that's a cool thing. I like to tell people that because I thought it went amazingly well. Good choice, mom and dad. My my like extracurricular, even though I was homeschooled, I my, like my first musical experiences were choirs. So church choir was a big thing. Even when I was a kid, the adults let me hang out with the church choir, and I sang every Sunday. So that's that that was a big deal to me as a as a kid. And then that translated into like, okay, there's a homeschool choir. So we would meet up every Monday and rehearse and we had these big concerts. And that was the first time that I, um, you know, like public singing was like, oh, okay, interesting. And I was very shy as a kid. So that was like my outlet. So it's kind of a, it's hard to imagine myself shy and all, but believe it or not, I was like painfully shy as a child. <laughs> um, so... That's my first exposure, and then I think just through choir and those things, like, I kept getting picked for solos, and people were like, honestly, not just say, oh, what a good job, Joanna, pat on the head, but like, ooh, you should probably do something with that. So my parents always encouraged me, like, hey, what do you want to do with it? Seems like voice is your thing. I ended up choosing to, um, you know, get, get more concentrated voice lessons, I had one teacher pass me off to another teacher when she said, hey, I've taught you everything I know. And then it happened again. <laughs> that teacher passed me off to another teacher once he said, ah, I think I've taught you everything I know. Uh, so that that was kind of cool. I, I was sort of sent from teacher to teacher um, in, in a very, like, natural, natural way. And I ended up at my teacher for um, all through – at the end of high school and, and all through college, um, Robert McFarland um, really, really helped me to shape shape my voice in a very healthy way. Um, so I'm very, very grateful to him and, and my other teachers as well. 
Um, and I, I took time out of, like, I was in school for music. I have a music degree from University of Delaware, um, but I, I actually sought, I, I kept that consistency that started in elementary school with, with like, choir to voice teacher to another voice teacher to another voice teacher all the way through my college education, um, you know, on the side, I guess, as you would say, but, but really that was pivotal. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I, and I was part of the opera scene on the East Coast, too. That that was my my teachers were very classical oriented. That was just kind of the world that found me or the world that I ended up in. And I'm really thankful for that because it, it taught me how to sing very healthily and to really understand the my instrument rather than to mimic a sound um, or to or to mimic a style. It was here's how here here's what your instrument is. Let's play around with what it can do. And the human voice is amazing. <laughs> so yeah. uh yeah, I, I'm just I was blessed to have I can't take I the only thing I take credit for is I said yes. You know, I've put in the time I, you know, tapped into the things that were available to me. But if it wasn't for my parents, my teachers, you know, these people who said, hey, like, there's something here. Um, you know, even the University of Delaware, I sang for them to get into the music department, and they gave me a full scholarship. Like, those people, nameless to me, um, allowed me to be, to have a music degree and have four years of, like, intense musical experience in an academic way that, like, I wouldn't have been able to pay for at that time. Um, so I just, I'm very, very grateful for all that. What was the first live jazz show you ever saw that made you think, man, that's, that's something I want to do? Ooh, live jazz. Oh, gosh, it's hard to remember. Like, Kansas City so steeped in jazz. But it's definitely, definitely Kansas City is where, like, the spark definitely, you know, burst into a little flame of interest. Because it's just like it's the scene, it's alive. I think I'm gonna go back though to like before I moved here. When I was in college, I was really super into swing dancing, and so there was this like vibe of, you know, sometimes we'd have live music for the swing dances at University of Delaware and some other like, in you know, community events that were in the tri-state area. Like in Philadelphia, there's a huge swing dance scene. And I think I just fell in love with the physicality of it, where, like, jazz is, it connects with the body, and it's and it's fun, and it's natural, and it brings people together in, in like, this context of dance. So that was, I, I when I was dancing, I was like, that was the context of dancing. Like, this is social, this is fun, this is exercise. But I, at the time, I was so wrapped up in my you know, my track of, like, I'm an opera singer. Okay, I'm an opera singer who does swing dancing. Fun. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but I wasn't going to, I wasn't, that wasn't my identity of, like, oh, you know, I really want to sing jazz if only I could. The only, like, little foray into that was there was a, a jazz band because there was a, a jazz department for University of Delaware, and, um, Anyway, they, they would allow, basically the jazz band would perform, you know, occasionally, as of course they do, as they should, <laughs> and they would have guest singers. So you could audition, anyone could audition to be a guest singer. So, of course, I was like, hmm, okay, cool, I could maybe do that. I could, you know, 
step out of my comfort zone. I'm an opera singer, but I could maybe sing a jazz song. Uh, for whatever the reason, I was inspired. So uh, I went in and auditioned, and um, I was told I didn't have a jazz voice and turned away. <laughs> so that that was a little like I, I did not cry. You know, I was fine. I was fine. I was a little miffed. I was a little miffed, but I didn't have much time to think about it. So that was kind of that was kind of the jazz from way back. And then I just kind of rediscovered that in Kansas City, where like okay, what's there to do? Um, you know, like probably one of my first experiences going down to, um, well, there's a green lady, which is just, you know, that was starting to kind of kick off when I moved to Kansas City 10 years ago. I can't remember when they opened, but that was like kind of a new, newer place a decade ago or, or close to there. Yeah. And that was all like, you know, you walk in and you get the vibe. Like people are into it. People dressed up to go there. And it's it felt real to me of like, yeah, these people aren't just, oh, whatever, random bar to hang out in, have a drink and talk. Like people were gathered around and they were watching and they were listening and they were moving. And like it was the event. So I just, you know, I felt that that energy and wanted to be part of that. Or like at the Phoenix where there's like, especially those little jazz clubs where like, you know, it's it's kind of ludicrous to think now that all these bodies jam together and everybody's kind of, you know, you're bumping elbows with everybody and and all that. Or like it's a packed Friday night, and there's it's just a amazing feeling. It's awesome. It's fantastic. So as a singer, I was like, well, why am I in the crowd? This doesn't even make any sense. I should be up on the stage. That's where my energy is. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's it. Seems like a logical thing to do. <laughs> At the time. So, so I figured it out. Figured out how to jump in there. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. So talk about your move here and and how you got into the scene here in Kansas City. Let's see. So moved here, was just trying to find, you know, okay, I didn't really have a career at the time. Now I'm a realtor, and, you know, as of five or six years ago. So I, I can pour a lot of my energy into that. I have a career besides music or, or uh, beside music. Um, but at the time, I was just kind of working in retail, and I was like, oh, what to do, what to do. I joined the symphony chorus. Kind of the thing that happened was, uh, so we sang Carmina Burana. It was cool. Like, it was a really good experience in the classical, you know, sense, and I got to be in the brand new at the time, Kaufman Center, you know, like shiny, shiny, shiny. Everybody's excited. Um, but then the season ended, and I was like, oh, kind of a letdown. Meh. Um, and I was supposed to meet up with a friend afterwards for a drink at this place called Coda, which you might know, uh, although it's it's sadly closed now. I, I'm very sad about that. Um, little place called Coda down the street from the Kaufman Center. I literally walked there. It was, it's that close. And I didn't know who was playing or what was up. I mean, I just knew it was like the closest bar. So we went, okay, I went down there. Well, my friend wasn't able to make it, so... I was kind of sad, but at the same time, I was like, heck, like, this is just, I, you know, I'm kind of sad that, that the, the season is over for the Crofton Center and all this, you know, for the symphony chorus, and I'm just going to have a darn good time. <laughs> so I drank a couple really strong drinks, and the band was just great. Their blues band um, was uh, Jason Vavoni and the Billy Babs. And again, it was that feeling of like, you know, the audience was right there, close up, dancing. Like, it was a form of communication, 
not just entertainment. You know, like this passive, I was used to, I stand on a stage and everybody else sits out there in the dark and watches and they have to be quiet. <laughs> and they can't dance around because that's disruptive. <laughs> um, so there was, it was just really freeing and, and kind of this weird juxtaposition between like Carmina Barana in the Kaufman Center down to this little bar, uh, you know, down the street where people are just like wailing away on, on the slide guitar <laughs> and, and the banjo and, and keyboard and whatever else was there. Um, so the juxtaposition hit me and I was like, this feels real to me. This is real. Like this, this feels, I feel happy in this. Whereas I just kind of was doing something the past the time. Like, I don't want to sound dismissive about it, but it didn't hit me in like the gut. It kind of was more cerebral to be in that, you know, excellent classical space, but I liked the freedom. So I actually ended up like, singing with the band that night <laughs> because I, I met them and it was also, you know, kind of casual close up. And through there I ended up um, actually joining the band for a while. <laughs> so it was uh, kind of accidental, but I was like, Hey, can I see what this whole thing is about? The, the blues and stuff. Cause I don't really know about that. Um, I'm just an opera singer. Um, but I found out that my voice, opera singing translates instantly to singing the blues. So that, uh, that was just really, really relaxing. Like I could just wail. Whereas most of the time, you know, like, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Just, it just felt very natural and instinctive to me. So that, that was kind of the kickoff. And then I was like, I, I'm always going to be a live performer in Kansas City in one form or another. It just wasn't a question after that point and I've had many iterations since um but it's just it's a no-brainer I'm just gonna sing in Kansas City if it's at a jam if it's in a formal band if it's in a you know hopping into somebody else's project for a little bit for fun whatever it is I I am going to be a live performer in Kansas City for as long as I'm here or as long as I'm alive <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about what is your favorite thing about Kansas City? Mm, that's big. That's like a meta question. But the things that strike me, I'd say most is like like the maker spirit or the supporting local business or local local things. That's kind of universal, which encompasses music, but it also encompasses food. It encompasses like all kinds of small businesses, including I'm a small business owner as a realtor. There's like people have a real respect for, you know, it's not, a, it's not really about, okay, so who do you know and what's your history and give me your resume. It's like, well, can you do it? It's a show me state. <laughs> so show me like, okay, well, you didn't have to sing jazz before, but show me, show me if you can sing jazz. And if you can sing jazz, then you're a jazz singer. And, you know, it's, it, it flows into other elements of Kansas City too. Like, okay, you wanna you wanna be a baker? Just whatever, you know, say fill in the blank. Can you bake? All right, show me. Like there's there's a open a bakery. Everybody likes it. Well then voila, you're a baker. <laughs> so um yeah, and I, I just find people get that here from the East Coast. I think it's just it's an older area. The infrastructure is older. 
families have been in certain areas for longer times, they're sort of like things are a little more rooted there in a way that can be good, but also less flexible. So here, like the reinvention of the self or the trying of something new seems to be something that's lauded and drawn by the community. Like most people that I know would be like, okay, well, where where do you want to go for dinner? Well, most people would I hang out with that I know would be like, well, well, go to a local place, something that's owned and and managed and and cared for locally. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty rad. It's special. We're spoiled in Kansas City yeah. for that. So, what do you like the best about being a performer? I would say, in general, just the energy that comes from that. You know, where where I can or or the the flow. That's the that's my goal. Whether I'm performing for, you know, what's my max audience been so far? A couple thousand people probably. <laughs> like I feel comfortable with that. I also feel comfortable with ten people or a couple times I've had a like two people. <laughs> There's this magic that happens when you step onto the stage, especially in collaboration with other people. Um, and you just create your own world there. And then it's almost as, you know, you lose yourself in this flow of a creation of this sound, which is ephemeral, and it's something that's like, unlike, you know, painting a painting or uh, writing a book, which then is a product that exists that, that you can then look at and put away and take out again. It's only available in that moment. So I love the like immediacy of of live performing because every moment is 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 gone forever um, and like special in that way. It's like if you missed it, you missed it. But then there's always the next moment. <laughs> um, so that's that's my that's what I love about it. And then usually, you know, if we're, if I'm in flow with my 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 group, um, whoever I'm performing with. It's the the and then from there the extension of our performance is the audience interaction and their reaction and then the energy from that. That's that's pretty cool. You can't I mean you can't get that anywhere else. It's it's impossible. So when we do return after COVID nineteen, both performer to the stage and crowd, the audience, what do you hope we all realize about this long absence away from live music? That there's no replacement for it, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, yeah, there's there's just nothing. There's no replacement for it. And it extends to, you know, things like theater as well. We're like, I think it's very easy, especially for like, you know, I guess I'm a millennial and then a little Gen Z is underneath me to be like, oh, we have instant access to entertainment. You know, I haven't been bored during COVID, um, even though I have had less things to do because I have entertainment and I have, you know, besides I'm a busy lady anyway, just the things I want to do. But Nobody's bored. It's, I mean, it's it's hard to be bored in a world where, like, you can just have instant access to Amazon, Netflix, Audible, whatever, your media of, of choice, even, even an old-fashioned book. But none of those things are the same as a live performance because it's not just entertainment. You're not just absorbing. You're not just, um, you know, watching a static thing that would be the same. You know, if you reround the film, it would be the same. You're experiencing something that will never, no one else will ever experience it in the same way again. And no one else is experiencing it, even in an audience. Like, 
person at this table is not experiencing the same thing as a person at the other table. So it's inherently unique and interactive rather than just purely entertaining. It's a give and take. If you're going to be a jazz performer, you're giving and you're taking. If you're going to be a jazz audience member, you're giving and you're taking the energy. So maybe that's a little metaphysical, but <laughs> that's no, what good. I, I like feel that. about it. That's what I feel yeah, about I like it. That. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, that you're living your life. Who do you think you are? Oh, well, um, hmm, who am I? Who am I? Well, I, my, my, uh, one of my mantras for life in general, or my quote unquote affirmations is I am open and accepting to all the good that comes to me today. Like that's something that's kept me grounded for many years. Um, and through some, some weird and difficult times where I don't like to approach life with an agenda. Um, I've kind of taught myself better than that through, taught myself a lesson <laughs> about, uh, you know, what the, what the universe brings to me if I'm open to it, whatever it is, is always better than what I could make up for myself. So the older I get, the more I realize how malleable I am, how un like I'm not the same person today as I was yesterday. I'm just kind of fascinated at, at you know, if I met Joanna five years ago or ten years ago, we would look at each other like we were aliens. <laughs> um, so I guess I just embrace like malleability and, and I my main goal in existing is to be open to all the good things that may come my way and to explore whatever seems good to me and whatever seems authentic. Like that's that's my kind of rule is like if if I sense something is is real and authentic, I think that's what is good. So I want that. Or I want, you know, I want to surround myself with people who are authentic to themselves because that's good. Like I feel peaceful around that and I feel energized by that. And I've gotten pretty good at like sorting through all that. <laughs> so, right. But I'm getting better every day. So, so that's that's who that's who I am. I feel like that's the that's the me that suits that serves me best. That's a great answer, Joanna. Thank you for taking some time out today. Good luck with the brand new album. And, thank you. Uh, yeah, we look forward to seeing you out there on the stage. I can't wait to get out and see you guys. Oh, I can't wait to. Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah. We are working on organizing a album release party. But my guess is, is it will take a little bit of time, and we're kind of everybody's kind of hovering around, trying to figure out the Apple place and time and way to do that in a way that's authentic and, and provides people with like an experience that's a give and take, rather than just like I am not really inclined to do it. Album, something as special as an album release party, just online. Yeah. That's not what. That's not what I want. That's not the experience that I want. Stay tuned for that. Well, it's in the works. <laughs> but for cool. now, there's the album, and I'm so so thankful that we've had a chance to do that. That's been our project during this time when there's very few live gigs. Sort of my gift to myself, or our gift to ourselves. <laughs> it's really, right really, really nice. 
Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest singers in Kansas City and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Joanna for her time, music, and raising up the Kansas City jazz scene. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.